Hey there, this is Paul from the Atypical Rainbow. Guess what? This is a content warning. The following episode, the Rainbow Dissection, Dave Chappelle, will cover topics such as transphobia, homophobia, and to a very limited degree, suicidality. Uh, if any of these topics are too triggering for you, we encourage you to skip this episode and check out our other episodes instead. Uh, we would also encourage you to seek help from your local mental health professional or contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. Thanks very much. Welcome to the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. Uh, and before we get started, as always, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Atypical Rainbow for updates about new episodes and interesting uh, news articles about queer and autistic news. Make sure to also have a look at the ACAST website and check out our old episodes. We've got two seasons worth of content that's uh, worth a listen. Today's episode is another in the series, The Rainbow Dissection. We're going to talk about Dave Chappelle and the recent controversies about his Netflix special, The Closer. So, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, The Closer is a, part of a series of specials that have been released since about 2017. Um, and it was released on October 5th. In it, Dave Chappelle makes a number of what have been considered dangerously transphobic comments, which include things like stating that gender is a fact, or likening a trans woman's genitalia to two brands of plant-based meat substitutes. Um, he has also declared his support for Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, declaring himself to be Team Turf, which stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Uh, I always get that acronym wrong. That's okay. So, this has caused quite the uproar uh, amongst the LGBTQIA plus community, and understandably so. Of, of the many things I find interesting about this case, this isn't the first time that it's happened. In fact, in the sort of, at least two of the previous uh, Netflix specials that he's released, Equanimity and Sticks and Stones, in both cases, he's made quite you know, stark anti-trans jokes, um, despite the fact that a number of um, people from the community have either approached him directly or made comments out into the ether about the fact that his comments are anti-trans. And there has been suggestion that he at least acknowledged the criticism, but doesn't seem to have necessarily learned from it. Yeah, so one of the things I found interesting when I was doing my research, after Paul asked me to research about this, <laughs> was the fact that... He, throughout the special, he's seen... Like, I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't watched the entire special. Nor have I. But he I kind of identifies himself as a transphobe. Like, it just... He's taken on as an identity. Mm. Which I thought was quite interesting because... You don't get that much where people just acknowledge... Like, take on as an identity being racist or homophobic like sometimes you will like you know with some extreme you know southern baptists or something but most of the time it's people going you know donald trump is racist or you know australia is there's lots of racism and then there's kind of the denial of the label even the facts point to it whereas with him he seems to have taken on this identity of being transphobic through the process of these previous specials, I guess. So he's kind of cast himself as the villain, but I'm not sure if he sees it as being the villain. So I wonder if that means that we're at a point where 
I guess, being transphobic, like him and J.K. Rowling, is acceptable enough that people can kind of just acknowledge it. Which, in and of itself, is concerning. Uh, you know, because part of the thing for me... And, and look, I'll, I'll admit that I don't understand black culture in, in any great detail, is the fact that he is part of a, a, you know, an oppressed minority, people who have suffered a lot of prejudice, but he thinks it's okay to deliver that same prejudice to another minority? Yeah, and, like, well, you could say the same things about TERFs. Like, you know, TERFs, in theory, are fighting for women's rights, but are also oppressing a minority. Mm. Um, one of the things he does say in the special um, is that, like, when he's talking about being Team Turf, he talks about the fact that he can understand why the Turfs might see trans people as a version of blackface. Yeah, oh, that's, um... That's really complicated. <laughs> yeah, so... I think that that is kind of a point that, as a minority, he has taken a view that I obviously don't agree with. Yeah. But he's kind of gone, okay, so I don't like white people dressing up and pretending they're black. So these women might not like what they see as men dressing up and pretending to be women. And it does remind me of a discussion that I came across a while ago about the idea that drag queens is the blackface to trans people. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of complex dynamics there. And obviously, look, I, I, I'm with you that, that turf is nonsense. Um, because making that comparison is neither accurate nor fair. Because trans women are not men who are dressing up as women. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and it's not meant to be mockery or it's not meant to be whatever not that there's any real intention behind blackface other than you know um negative intentions but you know trans women identify themselves emotionally as women so it's not dress-ups you know whereas the drag queen thing is a fascinating comparison because that i could see as being the equivalent of blackface yeah basically you're going on stage performing you know uh, isn't it funny there's a man in a dress? Yeah. But at the same time, again, for drag queens, that's part of their identity too, is that whether it's uh, the performance, whether it's gender fluidity, whether whatever it is, it's not, again, the point, unlike blackface, which is a, a, a form of mockery, that's not what drag queens are. They're celebrating the beauty of being a woman. And kind of the, the art of drag queen, because there's, there's a whole artistry to it, you know. That's why there's um, it's the the way the use of the makeup and the costuming and um, and even like the, some of the performance style is all kind of within this subculture. So I I can see the comparison. I don't agree with the comparison though. Yeah, fair enough. Like I I also don't agree. Like, I, but then what right do I have to say someone's allowed to be offended? Which is. But, yeah, I, I see drag queens as more celebrating the larger-than-life uh, personas of female divas. I don't think it's you necessarily saying that people can't be offended. You're just, you're just having an opinion the same way other people are having an opinion. Um, you're not necessarily forcing people to have a different opinion, I guess. But the, I guess the question is, if someone if someone is offended, should I support them? Yeah, I, and I guess that's part of what's 
come of um, of this Dave Chappelle controversy. So, um, I mean, I, th- I think this conversation probably bounced back and forth a little bit, but in response to the controversy around the release of The Closer, uh, a number of employees of Netflix, um, as well as allies, uh, are going to be walking out um, and holding a strike against Netflix um, in the coming days and weeks, I believe. So um, part of that is also in response to Ted Sarandos, who is the co-CEO of Netflix, who, in, in response to the criticisms of The Closer, defended the presence of these specials on Netflix by claiming that Netflix's commitment to inclusion and telling stories reflect underrepresented communities. He defended the art form of stand-up comedy, suggesting that there is a different stand of speech than we allow internally, and a difference between entertaining people versus maintaining a respectful, productive workplace. Well, yeah, so one of, one of the things that I did come across, like one of the first things I came across, because probably it's most recent, uh, so in his statement, he basically said, we can have Dave Chappelle and Hannah Gatsby. Gatsby yes. And Hannah Gatsby's come out saying, <laughs> please stop making me like a lightning rod for angry Dave Chappelle fans. Yeah, in fact, sorry, I'm just I'm gonna read the Instagram post that um that she put out about it. So, hey Ted Sarandos, just a quick note to let you know that I would prefer if you didn't drag my name into your mess. Now I have to deal with even more of the hate and anger that Dave Chappelle fans like to unleash on me every time Dave gets twenty million dollars to process his emotionally stunted partial worldview. You didn't pay me nearly enough to deal with the real consequences of the hate speech dog whistling you refuse to acknowledge. Um, then there's a bit of swearing there. Ted, F you and your amoral algorithm cult. And then uh, I definitely didn't cross a line because there isn't one. Having called him a spineless person. Yes. In a very, uh, you know, offensive kind of way. But it, she's, she's right though. I mean, that's the thing. He's Well, yeah, he basically did the I have a gay friend. Yeah. Which is again there's the corporate a, version. We have a gay he's a gay employee. But there's a, there's also irony to that because in one of Dave Chappelle's previous specials, he did the exact same thing. He pulled a I had a trans person come to my show. Oh no, in this one he talks about his trans friend. Oh so this one as well. Well so basically he talks about this trans friend because after Sticks and Stones, yes. she defended him. And then committed suicide. Oh my god. Yeah. So he talks about the fact that she got attacked by her own community for defending him. And he doesn't know if that's why. He then, you know, tells tells a story about how he's like he's going to talk to her daughter and say, I knew your father. So it's all just a mess. <laughs> oh god. Um, but yeah, he does, he does spend time talking about this trans woman who wasn't offended. And yes. was his friend. Um, and therefore should be okay for everyone to, to enjoy his conversation. Well, it's, it's unclear about whether it was meant to be a comment about, I guess, the left eating itself, which people do like to talk about. Mm. The left cancelling their own people. Which I always think that, you know, the left cancelling their own people means that the left is actually being impartial. But the right apparently feel... Differently. What do you mean by that? Well, like, um, was it Chrissy Teigen? Yeah. Yeah, so she was seen as a left person who would, like, attack right people. But then when it was shown she crossed the line, she also got cancelled. Whereas, like, so right people, right wing people will call that, you know, the left eating itself. Like, it's, they're even attacking their own. But I always go, well, yeah, like, it would be hypocritical to allow people on the left 
to behave badly mm. if you won't allow people on the right. Like, that is very partial. Like, yes. I partisan. Think I remember you and I having a conversation a while back about the idea about balanced reporting. Because there, mm. there was an issue around the ABC and whether or not they were being impartial about their reporting. Yeah. Um, and you explained to me the distinction between being impartial and, you know, doing what Sky News did and letting Nazis on their talk shows. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, so being balanced doesn't necessarily mean you give equal time to flat earthers to everyone else in the world. Mm. It means that you don't put a political lens upon things. Yeah. And so that's what I find about Ted Sarandos's comment, is that he seems to think that it balances out. Like, somehow, if you put one crazy thing on, as long as you put something with the opposing view, it's balanced, and it's okay, and therefore both should exist on the platform. Yeah. See, like, one of the things I was thinking while doing a bit of research in this is, like, why did he even do this set? Like, what was the purpose of talking about this stuff? Money and popularity and the fact that he got away with it. <laughs> but no, like... Like, he could have just done something else. Like, it's it's kind of that idea of... If you are a member of a minority, you don't have any choice but to sometimes fight for your stuff. Whereas if you're not a member of a minority... You're kind of making this choice to get involved in something that doesn't really involve you. How did you think that applies here? Sorry, I'm a bit lost. Well, trans issues are having no effect on his life. Mm. Like, he has sort of purposely gone out as someone who does not need to make comments on trans issues to then make comments on trans issues. Okay, so I think there are a few different layers to that. So firstly, Dave Chappelle has always been notoriously controversial. He's always sort of been boundary pushing, which is why for quite a while there you didn't see much of him. He like he had this this TV show which was really like popular on Comedy Central, then he sort of disappeared for a while and then he's kind of made a resurgence. Um, so him being the comedic antagonist has always been fairly common, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically it was, um, you know, racially based kind of stuff. I mean, I, I don't think that was, it was exclusively racially based, but it was a lot about um, racially based, you know, being about being black in America. So I think that's part of it. The other part to me is that there's no one stopping him, right? So part of the problem is that he is actually really popular. Like his his Netflix specials do really well. He's being being paid high bucks for it, and so there's no incentive for him to stop, except for his own morality and. Whether or not he's got insight into his role in, uh, you know, the contribution of transphobia to mainstream culture, it's it's hard to tell, right? He mm. seems to be aware. He se- he acknowledges it, but he just doesn't think feel the need to stop. And you know, I- I'm not. It's not unusual for comedians to have like satirical characters, right? So mm. he could have taken on a satirical persona of someone who is transphobic to kind of mock the whole transphobic thing, but actually. He's just flat out transphobic and he still feels the need to defend himself by saying, I have a, you know, trans friend, but not enough to change. And then blames, you know, the people who are offended for being offended. And mm. I just, it, the, the whole cycle of psychology here doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It's just, I, I just don't get, yeah. Like we can have a discussion about whether he did a good job talking about trans issues or not, but I just... I think the more important question is why was he talking about trans issues to begin with? 
But yeah, I, I get what you're saying, that he was trying to be controversial. Yeah. It's not a good justification, by yeah. any means. It's an explanation, which are two vastly different things. Yeah, so one of the other things he talks about is the idea of whether he's punching down. Mm-hmm. So, I guess if he's trying to be controversial, then he probably is punching down. Because he's chosen a controversial subject to be controversial about in order to get ratings. But that's the thing about Netflix, though. You don't really... Like, ra- the whole ratings model is a bit superfluous, really. Like, mm. like he's already got the money. <laughs> They've paid him for it. Yeah, but I guess if he's doing multiple specials, like, you probably don't get another special if people aren't watching your first special. Mm. Like, if, if you know, what Hannah Gadsby said is you know, just accurate rather than just a random number she pulled out. If he's getting $20 million each time he does a special, Mm. then having views of the special, even if it's, you know, people watching the special so they can talk about it on podcasts, (laughs) means that he'll get another special. I think inherently, we have to kind of remember that comedians will have a style. You know, some will tell stories about their personal life, some will, um, you know, act out situations or scenarios, some will be satirical, and some will just, you know, make comments about the world as they feel like it. And again, there's no filter because there's no incentive to change. Mm. So, this is where the whole cancel culture thing is fascinating, right? If we think about cancel culture as a society-instituted punishment for bad behaviour, now... You know, can cancel culture be extreme or can it be very reactionary to things without necessarily seeing it in context? Yeah, but that is the nature of any sort of societal movement. So, you know, it has to kind of figure out the boundaries and the limits and where is reasonable and not everyone's going to agree about what's reasonable. But there's a reason why we cancel people like Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein, right? Because the crimes that they committed were of a particularly heinous nature. Mm-hmm. So... You know, yes, okay, is the judicial system there to to put their contribution in? Sure. But the problem is that, you know, the judicial system can only go so far. For people whose living is dependent on popularity and notoriety, the best way to keep them out of the limelight, the best way to, you know, show them the consequences of their actions is cancelling them. Hmm. I'm not sure I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I kind of think of cancel culture as democracy by another name. Okay. Explain. So basically, if you take two people, one is like a star and one is a prime minister and they both do something that annoys you, you're allowed to basically cancel the prime minister by voting them out. Mm. But if you do that to a star, you go, well, I'm not going to support you financially anymore. Yeah. And therefore I'm kind of like, you have, you've offended me and I'm going to sort of not be supportive of your career, I'm not going to vote with my feet or whatever. Yeah. Then you've sort of democratically got rid of them if enough people cancel them. Mm. So, yeah, we like democracy, so maybe we should like cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. But I guess... Like, like, I guess if, if people are cancelled for something that's not real, but then people lose elections over things that are not real. Yes, exactly. I mean, let, let's remember the democracy gave us Donald Trump. So, you know, democracy isn't perfect either. And again, I think that cancel culture... I agree with you. I think cancel culture is a form of democracy. I think the problem with it is that it can be too reactionary. Um, So Chrissy Teigen, I think, was too reactionary. 
Um, I think James Gunn was too reactionary as well. I don't know. Chrissy Teigen? Yeah. Like, some of the stuff I read about what she posted was pretty horrible. It was horrible, but, you know, she's grown as a person. And this is I, what I think the problem with cancel culture is, is that people are digging up old things and not under, uh, giving people the chance to learn and to be forgiven. Now, it's, it's tricky, right? Because when someone's income, when someone's livelihood is dependent on their popularity, mm. the power of the people is quite significant. Whereas yeah. on a smaller scale, whenever us as, you know, uh, private citizens might say or do something that we then get corrected on, we learn. And we move on, and it doesn't necessarily, depending on the severity of the action, of course, it doesn't necessarily track or follow us for the rest of our lives. Like, if we say that, you know, a girl in high school was bullying someone else, right? Mm -hmm. But then as she got older, maybe she became a psychologist and tried to make it right for other people. Is she allowed to be forgiven, and is she allowed to continue her work as a psychologist? Or should she be cancelled and never be allowed to do anything because of what she did as a teenager? Mm Hmm. I guess that is a good question. So I think I think that's the thing. So okay, it's, it's not again. It's not to say that what James Gunn or Chrissy Teigen did was right. Okay, so yeah. it's not defending the or just it's not justifying the actions of the past. Mm-hmm. I think you know once again it's a, it's a question about whether or not people in the spotlight are allowed to learn. Now I know that some people in the spotlight will fake. Um, learning things, right? Mm-hmm. They'll they'll put out some generic statement that the publicist will have written to cl- to claim that they have uh, grown from the experience, and it's all very generic and kind of meaningless, right? But for some people, maybe they do learn. Maybe and shouldn't they, like any one of us, be given? the opportunity for forgiveness. Not to say that it should be given forgiven outright just because they're famous, mm-hmm. but shouldn't they be given a chance to earn that forgiveness through their actions? Or shouldn't we at least acknowledge that maybe if their action, the thing that they're being cancelled for is historic, you know, again, it depends on the infringement. I'm not saying this applies to everyone, but, you know, if the, the things that are historic, if they have done, if they've stopped doing that and have done more to try and make up for it, is that not at least worth acknowledging, the, the, like, the effort? I guess the question there becomes, what? where do you put the line for historic? Yeah. And where do you put the line for serious? I don't think historic necessarily matters. I think... I, I, as in, I don't think historic should matter. I think, you know, you can... Whether you make the comment last week or 10 years ago, it's still a bad comment or mm. a bad action. So long as you know, your actions subsequently indicate some sense of remorse and an understanding of why what they did was wrong. I think the nature of the the crime itself, that's where the line needs to be clarified. Okay, so let, let's start with historic. Okay, so say there's two people, Anne and Benita. Mm-hmm. So it comes to light that a week ago, Anne sent out a transphobic tweet. And Benita, it comes to light, 10 years ago, she sent out a transphobic tweet. Do we give Anne a harsher punishment because Benita got away with it for 10 years? No, but they both... It depends on how they approach the problem now, Well, like, so, so say, you know, Benita has had 10 years, because no one noticed, to do good things. And Anne was drunk and she sent out a transphobic tweet. But in the next 10 years, she might do good things. 
But has Benita done anything else in the meantime, or is she still transphobic? Uh, say that she's done nothing in the meantime. Yeah, so so she's, she made a comment, but has she changed her mind? Has she, has she evolved? Has she gotten better? Yes. Okay, then, yeah. I think she is entitled, based on evidence, to at least some degree of forgiveness. Okay, so do we then give Anne 10 years before we make a decision on her? To see what she does for 10 years? It's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Um, I guess, in a way, it does depend on how she responds to it. How she responds mm-hmm. to the criticisms, whether she acknowledges it or not. Interestingly, on Morning Wars, as it's known in Australia, uh, or the Morning Show, as it's known everywhere else, they're talking about how genuine an apology needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 again it's, it's the start of a storyline. It's really quite interesting, but I think maybe maybe we can pick up on it uh, at, a, at a later date. But yeah, I think if Anne were to apologise for it, it would have to be genuine. How you mm-hmm. tell that? No idea. Yeah. Um, and but your your question is valid and kind of autistic. What is the amount of time that's required before Anne is entitled to forgiveness? Yes. And I don't know. I mean, I get, look, if Anne were also racist and sexist, (laughs) then probably I think my gut would say she's entitled to less forgiveness. Whereas if this was, you know, a once-off ignorant comment due to Mm. lack of understanding, which as a person with autism, sometimes I don't understand things and I make comments on things because I, I kind of form false impressions based off the information that I've received rather than kind of taking in the whole picture then I think at least some degree of forgiveness, or at the very least a little bit of understanding, I think is, is worthy. So, you know, just kind of go, all right, I get you didn't understand it. Are you... And kind of giving them the opportunity to be forgiven, not necessarily mm-hmm. going, oh, well, despite what you just did, I'm going to forgive you anyway. Yeah. See, it, ma- it made me think of the Sia thing. What Sia thing? The about controversy music. about music. music. Yeah. And where they're... She was genuine whether she she should be held accountable for, I guess, getting advice from the wrong group when it's not her area of expertise, which are the right groups. Yeah. And that's... And I, look, I don't know what her experience is with autism, whether it's personal or, or simply just the idea of it's interesting. And, and I think... It depends... Like, how do you necessarily know what the right group is if you've never yeah. entered into that field? Right? Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, so there was... A political group oh, called, like... It was called something like Australian Medical Something. Mm-hmm. And it had, like, a really legitimate sounding name, but they were anti-vax. Mm. But if, you know, if you're in the voting booth with uh, just a list of people and parties, and you haven't done any research, you wouldn't know they're anti-vax. Mm. And you can't Google it in the voting booth. <laughs> yeah. At least you shouldn't be Googling into the voting booth. <laughs> That's right. There's lines. <laughs> so... Yeah, people can have misleading names to organisations, and if it's not your area, you can make a mistake. Mm. Whether Dave Chappelle made a mistake in saying that he was Team Turf, like, did he do enough research? Like, you're not, you know, a woman in a a feminist organisation or a trans person. So how much research do we expect him to do? See, what... um... What I wonder about the Dave Chappelle controversy, because I think there has been controversy with each of his specials every time it does something like mm. this, right? What I wonder is, has it has it now happened in the wrong time, right? So in a in an era where we are increasingly more and more socially conscious and more socially mm. uh, willing to fight as much as sometimes the the radicalism or the reactionism might be a bit extreme, right? Yeah. 
have his transphobic comments come at a time where it stopped being acceptable? Right? Where, like, is, is this the start of something where actually he will face some consequences? Or is this just another cycle of make a comment, get, um, get criticised, make some half-assed apology, do, a few years later make another special that shows that he hasn't changed at all? Hmm. Speaking of turf, I want to make a comparison to J.K. Rowling, right? So we're talking about cancel culture and J.K. Rowling. Yeah. What I find interesting about trying to cancel J.K. Rowling is that it's it's actually, it seemed near impossible. And I think the difference is that she's created this um, world, the Harry Potter world and its figures, that's almost in a way separate from her. Yeah. Um, and so there are a lot of people who love Harry Potter and love the books and love the themes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can imagine, and I know... I, don't, I know for me, there's at least a little bit of conflict. I don't want to be supporting J.K. Rowling because of her turf views, but that doesn't mean I don't love Harry Potter either. Yeah. And I think that's a real struggle. Whereas with Dave Chappelle, he is the product, right? Yes, and if him being cancelled was just the removal of this and nothing else really, mm. then it's much clearer um, causation. Yeah. Like, you know, this is a transphobic special. This transphobic special is gone. Mm. Um, a bit like when they remove racist episodes. or Well, yeah, like Gone with the Wind, right? Mm. So they, they took Gone with the Wind off streaming services for a while. Now it's back on with uh, a pretty lengthy intro um, about why Gone with the Wind um, is uh, racist. Yeah. Right? So, you know, there are actions that can be taken to mm. try and respect people's offences, right? But why Ted Sarandos has decided that this is not a position he wants to take is interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, we've gone with the win, for example. So, people reacted, it's gone back on streaming, and I'm sure there are probably still people out there who don't want it out there, like, Mm -hmm. who don't want it on streaming, but the fact of the matter is that uproar has died down, right? Yeah. So... So, I think with J.K. Rowling... If it ever happens, I have no idea what's going on with it. But if the third Fantastic Beast movie comes out mm. and the homosexuality is still being dealt with terribly, that might be a reason for me to not be interested in particularly watching that movie. But it wouldn't have any effect on whether I want to read the Harry Potter books to the kids because I don't have any problem with the depiction of the homosexual relationship in the books. Mm. Because I've actually, yeah, defended how it was done. Mm. Whereas I found with the second Fantastic Beast movie, I was like, eh, this is, this is annoying me. Why do you see the difference? Well, okay, so with the books, the headmaster's boyhood love affair is not really something... Like, it, it would almost be weird if he spent too much time talking to Harry about, like, his homosexual past. Mm. Um, it's the same as the thing. as like, it never really comes up in the book that McGonagall's a widow. Because why would it? Mm. It's not natural for it to come up. Whereas in the second Fantastic Beast movie, they started doing the, you know, almost... They they were roommates for 60 years. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> sus. <laughs> And there's just, like, they were very close friends. And we even saw from the point of view of Dumbledore, which we don't see from the point of Dumbledore in the books. Like, the, the only time that it might have been weird that it didn't come up is if Rita knew 
and didn't expose it. Mm. But we don't know if Rita knew. Yeah. Or if Rita had some sort of... Had been burnt too much by making stuff up and couldn't find the evidence. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, when we're, when we're actually looking at how Dumbledore views Grindelwald in the mirror, in the second Fantastic Beast, it's like... It's actually now it's weird because it's from his point of view and they're skirting around it from his point of view. It's I think that puts a whole new light to its um its subtitle, The Secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> is that meant to be the third Yeah, part? yeah, that's what the name of the third movie is. It's called it's called Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore. There you go. maybe it'll just be, you know, call me by your name. <laughs> Harry Potter edition. And I'll be like, There she go. She just held all of it for that movie. <laughs> Yeah, but before, like, before she started making very transphobic comments, she did make some very positive comments about the homosexual community. Yeah. So I think I think it was also, I guess, more of a betrayal from J.K. Rowling because she had been, like, a positive figure. Yeah. Whereas Dave Chappelle, it's like, okay... He was always transphobic. Yeah, and and homophobic actually, because in in the closer, he also makes a comment about the fact that it is uh, it is okay to kill black people, but not okay to hurt a gay person's feelings. And I thought mm, they're not the same kind of comparison. But it just it yeah, it just shows a, a a real lack of understanding, and it kind of ignores the fact that gay people are the victims of, of abuse and have quite a high suicide rate. So the deaths are happening. Yes. But I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, see, that comment, I'd really like to know the context more. Because it is a big issue. Like, mm. black deaths at the hands of cops is a big issue. And I know that in the, um, in the special, I don't know what the full context, I don't know if this is related to it. He does talk about the fact that I think it was, it was either a gay or trans person who was white called the cops on him. Oh. And he said a black person wouldn't have done that. Doesn't yeah. matter if they're straight, gay, trans, they wouldn't have called the cops. Yeah. It was to defend some homophobic comments by a rapper named DaBaby. Okay. Yeah. And so apparently DaBaby got criticised about it and so Dave Chappelle was defending him, I think. Oh, so this wasn't in the special? This was in the special. Oh, this is in the special. He's just talking about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So that's, that's the context of that particular comment. Yeah. Um, I can understand why a black person would be very angry about the fact that people aren't being held accountable for black deaths. Yeah. I think he misses the point that deaths of black trans people is probably the crazy, like, the craziest amount. Mm. Like, even though it would be very frustrating, you know, the George Floyd stuff, I imagine it would be crazily frustrating. At least it makes it into the news. Yeah. Like, people do know the names of these pe- these black people who were killed by cops. Mm. Whereas, I think 2020 was actually the worst year for trans deaths. Mm. Like, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And, yeah, uh, trans people of colour are in even more danger. Like, probably the most endangered subset of society. Yeah. I think the other part about this comment that upsets me is that it implies that there's a finite amount of sympathy and compassion that can be had. That is true as well. Right? Like, like, oh, okay, well, if you... Because we, we should be compassionate for both. Black black deaths are not okay. You yeah. Know, trans deaths are not okay. But why does it have to be either or? Like, that's what the comment implies to me, that you, you know, we, we kind of accept one and not the other. I just, I don't... 
I don't think it's reasonable, and I think it draws a weird line in terms of how much we should care and what we should do about it. Yeah, though I, I can see, I can, I can see the point if there is consequence for one and no consequence for the other. Mm. I can see why he'd feel like we were okay. Yeah, with one, if there's no consequence. Yeah, I have one final question for you. Mm. Would it be more or less or the same level of upsetting if he was white? If a white person had said it? Yeah. My gut says it would have been less upsetting because it would have been less surprising. Okay. I think part of my issue with Dave Chappelle doing it is that, for me, I can't reconcile the fact that he is a member of an... Uh, quite often maligned and oppressed minority mm-hmm. attacking another minority. Yeah. And that's the part that upsets me. Like like the J.K. Rowling, the betrayal thing, right? Yeah. It's like, don't you... Shouldn't you be, on an emotional level, understand what it's like to be marginalised, to be treated differently, mm-hmm. um, to, to be ignored when your needs aren't being met? Why are you doing this? Uh, and that's, that's the part, I think, that, that frustrates me. Whereas a white person... I don't think necessarily has the same kind of understanding. Yeah. What would your answer to that question be? I think I agree with you, even though I wish I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think because I am a minority member who I feel cares about other minorities, like I care about women's issues and first Australian issues and black issues like, um, in the US, even though I don't live in the US. Hmm. I feel like, yeah, because I can generalise from being a minority, I feel like it's a bit sad when other people can't. Yeah. Which means, yeah, maybe I do have lower expectations for white, straight, cis males. <laughs> yes. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that the reaction should be any different. You'd still... I'd still probably want that special taken off if it was a white comedian... But I'm less hurt by it, I think. Yeah, like, I think, I think, yeah, there'd still be the, um, yeah, there'd probably be a lashback if it was, like, Louis... What's CK. CK. But I think there might be more just eye-rolling... Yeah, oh, another white guy oh. doing another stupid thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. I know it got a bit in- intense towards the end there, but hopefully you feel more well-informed and you get our... Could have been more intense. <laughs> yes, you could have. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next time.